for what you are about to see next, we must enter quietly into the realm of genius. Ladies and gentlemen, mesdames et messieurs, damen und herren, from what was once an inarticulate mass of lifeless tissues, may I now present a cultured, sophisticated man about town. Hey! Sectarian Review Podcast. <laughs> Live from Wizard World Pittsburgh. And it's a team-up show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what if? Um, <laughs> why the? <laughs> yes, yeah, so we were invited for this very large crowd, I guess, to, to uh, talk about the idea of does pop culture matter at all? And the answer is no, so thank you for coming. Bye. <laughs> Everybody can go home. No. No, yeah, we just thought this would be a good idea to do this in the middle of a giant celebration of pop culture. And it was prompted by an article that Danny found that he... he we should introduce ourselves. Yeah, we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nav. Uh, I'm the host of Vox Popcast, or one of four, two of whom are not here. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm a PhD student in literature, focusing on comics and movies and TV and pop culture at Duquesne University. I'm Wayne. I'm one of the other co-hosts of Vox Popcast. I'm, I work at Phantom of the Attic Comics. I write. I draw. I'm a freelance academic in a way you guys are real academics. <laughs> so. I'm Josie. Um, I have a PhD in literature. I study gender and sexuality, pop culture, media studies, um, and I'm mostly here because I'm Mav's friend. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm Caitlin Hunter. I am a PhD student. That sounds weird. A PhD student at Duquesne. My interest is African American literature and pop culture. Um, I currently am working on a website that traces a timeline of African American uh, women in comics. And I am also here because Mav called me and asked me. <laughs> uh, and I'm Danny Anderson. I teach uh, English at Mount Aloysius College in sort of central PA. Yeah, uh, yeah it's that way. I, that whatever way Hour and a half that way. East is from here. And uh, and I host the Sectarian Review podcast. I write things for things like pop culture and theology, uh, Sound of the Sirens, Film Inquiry, every now and then about movies and music and whatnot. And uh, and also, Mav is a good friend. And, um, he put out the bat signal and I answered it. So. No, it was Wayne this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're here because uh, what, a couple weeks ago, Danny found an article that uh, essentially asked this question, why does pop culture matter or does it matter? Uh, shared it. We started a Facebook conversation about two days later. Uh, I got a, a call to do something here. So we're doing a podcast live here at, in the middle of Pop Culture Center asking why we're all here and does this matter? So Yeah, and ju just a couple details about that. The, the, show, the article was on a, a website called Mere Orthodoxy. Uh, my show is kind of straggles the intersections of religion and pop 
politics and pop culture and all that kind of thing. Um, and so I'm sort of in that world. And by a fellow named Brad East wrote an article called Against Pop Culture. And it was very controversial in those circles. And, uh, and so somehow I shared it just to get conversation going. And Wayne and Nav picked up on it. And yeah, and so, and just to be fair to the guy, it's very polemical against pop culture. I mean, he's literally called against pop culture. Um, he got a lot of flack for writing that. And the next day wrote this very long rejoinder or kind of response thing in which he kind of clarified what he was really meaning. Um, and he was really meaning to be kind of hyperbolic um, just to I, get a conversation it going. It still wasn't great. Yes. But, yeah, it still wasn't great. I, I, I got that impression, but it, still, it did come across like you're challenging everything I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I'll be doing a follow-up show just about that article um, somewhere down the road okay. in a couple weeks here. Okay. So what I thought was I, I, you know, all four, all five of us teach pop culture in some way, shape, or form. So I figured let's start, let's start with Josie and just work our way down. Why do you think it matters? Why would we waste our lives on this nonsense? <laughs> um, I do think there's something just intellectually irresponsible about just clinging to high culture, right? Um, because one, it shows a disinterest in being connected to what everyone is watching and everyone, I'm using scare quotes podcast <laughs> listeners when I say everyone, um, and what everyone is reading. Um, and it's also just a lack of understanding of how these categories inform one another, right? We don't have high culture without low culture. Um, and it also, I think, shows ignorance to the fact that like, what is popular culture uh, often eventually becomes high culture, yeah. right? So, like, these categories don't stay still, and you can't just stick your head in the sand and act like, well, if everybody's reading that, it must not be good. <laughs> Caitlin, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, representation matters, right? Like, that's the thing about pop culture. It's a reflection of what our society is now and why it's relevant. Um, you know, one of the things I tried to teach in my English 102 class was a graphic novel version of Kindred. And my students were really, at first, kind of apprehensive about reading a comic book in class. Um, but by you have to teach them how, right? Yeah, exactly. like, yeah. yeah. Interesting they don't, I don't understand. Yeah, like what's a panel? I don't understand. Do I read this left to right? Like, <laughs> yeah. what do I make of one whole yeah. page of a scene? My first two weeks of my graphic novel class is that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, but at the end of it, I think it it informed how they were to understand slavery in these very complex terms. And having, um, and I showed it alongside Boondocks too, right? To show like a comical, still animated rendition of slavery. And I think that, you know, to have those kind of things written about in 2019 is profound and we should be having these kind of conversations. For me, it, the way, way, way back when I first went to college and learned that I wanted to do this was I, I took a class on, it was called Youth Culture. It was the first one I took where um, it was, I, was, I was a creative writing major, but I had to take literary cultural studies classes. And one of the things that I learned was, hey, it's not all just reading Shakespeare. And I like Shakespeare. Actually, I'm a big nerd, so I actually like a lot of weird literature. You can't do this otherwise. But, um, <laughs> but, but the idea, you know, as revolutionary as it sounds that you could use, I 
don't know, that you can use Foucault to analyze a comic book or uh, an episode of professional wrestling television or a Beatles song just as well as you can uh, uh, Tolstoy or or Hemingway was like mind-blowing to me at the time and and I realized hey, you know maybe if people understood that, they wouldn't think that it was a big thing in, in, in literary studies right now of, why are we doing this? Why, you know, why, why does our field even still exist at this point? And if people knew that it was useful to doing things that they like, right. then maybe they'd use it more. On the other side, and if academia was more embracing of things that weren't written by people who died a hundred years ago, then maybe people from the outside would respect academia more. So for me, it's always been about trying to tie it together. And there is pushback. Like, not only do kids that I teach necessarily not know how to read a comic book or not know how to read a television show, which, you know, you have to teach them. It's also, I've, I've had many students come into my class and it's like, we're reading Tarzan? Why? Why aren't we reading a real book? It's like, oh, Tarzan is not the book that you think it is. Please sit down, young man. <laughs> and uh, it was the same thing, you know, you know, we're reading Watchmen, we're reading... Yeah. And, and it's easier if I pick something like Watchmen or Mouse because it's judged by the authorities that be to be, um, yeah, to be cultural cash real literature. Yeah. But then I, you know, I'll toss it in a, you know, no, we're going to read this Wonder Woman comic. Sit down. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do it just to justify my hobbies and existence. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I do. I, I mean, I've always done this. You know, I, this has been my life, being pop culture, comics and music and all this stuff. And, and I do believe it, it is important. I mean, it gives us, you know, if, aside from just the entertainment level, I, I do truly believe it reflects our culture in general in ways that high culture doesn't necessarily. You know, when so much of this is created, you know, naive art, you know, it's just coming in the comics industry began with just people doing this stuff over a weekend and creating it because it was a paycheck and it went out there and they had no idea anybody was going to give a crap about Batman 80 years later. <laughs> but, in the, but here we are, you know. Um, so, I, and you know, I, I do a comics pop culture history class and in that I, I break it down by decade and I use comics as a lens to talk about everything else that was going on in that decade. You know, I, talk, you, I use the, the red, you know, in the 50s with the, the comics code and all that. We talk about the Red Scare and post-war stuff and communism and all of that sort of thing. When I talk about World War II, we get into stuff like you know, stereotypical images and propaganda and racism and, and all of this. And I think in many ways, the pop culture, that naive pop culture, reflects that in ways better than, or, or more honestly, mm-hmm. than, than some of the stuff that's designed to be deep and heavy or whatever. So. More immediately. Yeah, more too. immediately. Yeah. 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 yeah, I was just, Wayne and I were talking beforehand. I'm, I'm currently working on some academic thing about Philip Roth, who I implicitly love. It's not like I don't like um, quote unquote big L literature, right? Um, but I also find myself a little frustrated because this is to me distracting from writing about stuff that I'm really interested in right now. Like uh, I just recently looked into the movie Better Off Dead, which oh I think is a, a classic sort of 80s subversive. 
course of teen comedy. And, um, and I found so much more, uh, like material to actually talk about important issues in that movie than I would in just an analysis, like that sort of academic grinder, uh, that you'd run sort of some, some high <laughs> culture thing through. Um, and, and so, um, I have that app. <laughs> can I, can I keep forward that to me? Um, actually, uh, I'm, this is due Wednesday, so I'd like to be, um, and so, um, and, and so I, I find high pop culture, excuse me, something that isn't detached from most people's lived experience yeah. uh, in the way that, and so it is important on that level, right? And so I think to me that's one thing, um, one justification I have for taking this kind of thing seriously. So, so one question I have, and I'm going to pot up the audience mic real quick. So I'm just curious to you guys, because you know we don't normally we record these in holes and wall where. <laughs> um, but since we have a vast audience out here today in podcast land, say hello everybody. Woo! See, I just want to prove to people listening that there are people here. <laughs> in post production, you're going to sound like a crowd. <laughs> literally ones and ones of people out here. So. Yeah. No, there are more than one. <laughs> they they match the number of people on the panel. That's true. <laughs> hey, we're looking for quality more than uh, quantity yes. here. So. so thank you all for coming. But um, I'm curious, what if anybody wants to say, what do you guys think about, you know, uh, why are you here? I mean, this is a pop culture convention. It's comics. It's, you know, why would you come to something like this? And then once you're here, go, I want to go listen to nerds talk about podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> There's some cool people on this <laughs> now, I want to point out that all of them are here because they know me. <laughs> I'm willing to admit what I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what, made, what makes you guys interested in, in this as a field? If anybody wants to volunteer, I'm curious. Do you want me to talk about it? Sure, go ahead. Sure. First, I should say um, my name is Sharon Everson. I write for Pittsburgh Books Gazette. distinction. Um, this semester, I've, a couple times, I've, I teach a class on the art and literature of Pittsburgh, and it's impossible to teach that class 
with thinking of it as just a high, high culture thing, right? Of course we cover Willa Cather and, and the people you're supposed to cover who's sort of canonical literature, right? But there's also, if you look at someone like Michael Chabon, um, his fiction is completely indistinguishable as to whether it's high or low, right? He, he has Fantastic Four references in Wonder Boys, right? And, and so there's like, there's a way in which um, it's impossible to treat that. And in fact, um, who's Pittsburgh's probably greatest visual artist? I would say not Andy Warhol. I say George Romero. Um, and so, <laughs> and so um, we watched Land of the Dead, actually, um, as a really important uh, film uh, in, in terms of understanding yeah. the culture and landscape of Pittsburgh, particularly. And so, um, yeah, I think that I could not have taught that class if I had thought of it as strictly high culture versus low culture. Um, Josie, you do a lot of, like, I know you specifically do science fiction in your classes a lot, so why? <laughs> I mean, again, this is weird because it's like, I, I know why, because I know what she taught, but <laughs> go ahead. Part of what I think, like, kind of also speaks to our conversation is um, students have a feeling they have to be ashamed when they like genre fiction, mm-hmm. um, and I'm trying to, by teaching them science fiction, having them break down, like, what are the tools of this genre? Genre, how is it different? How sometimes things don't actually fit neatly into either science fiction or fantasy or something else. Um, thinking about how everything's kind of genre fiction and also things don't fit neatly into these boxes, right? Um, I also, when I teach science fiction, try to teach science fiction by uh, black writers, queer writers, female writers, because I think something for me that has been important about popular culture is like the accessibility to representation. Mm-hmm. If I was just kind of... Um, married to canon then I would never see myself in anything I was reading mm-hmm. you mean you're not a 900 year old I'm not a dead old white man <laughs> yeah, <spoiler. laughs> yeah I'm very close <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, back to representation, and especially Pittsburgh art, a lot of people don't know that one of the first African-American cartoonists, Jackie Orms, um, is born and raised in Pittsburgh, you know, wrote really international... interesting commentary about race and racism in the 1930s and you know that's just in our backyard Mm. and you know especially with like Black Panther and Luke Cage there's been this like new emergence new in air quotes of like (laughs) black representation in comics and in you know comic movies and in reality it's always been there you know I'm going to throw out Matt Baker who is one of he's pretty much the only working black male cartoonist in comics in the 1940s, 1940s. And he grew up in Homestead in the Hill. Right. And just wow. An amazing, amazing artist. Uh, definitely one of the better of that time period. Yeah, but if we didn't, you know, have pop culture, right. we wouldn't know that these figures existed. And I think that's really important, you know, especially as an African-American woman, to know that I have those role models available to me. For, for me, I think, I mean, there's, there's a few things. There's the history of it, um, which we're, we're talking about now. But also, for me, it was always the importance of it. We talked about, you know, the big L literature versus the little L literature, high versus low. But, you know, 
last year, Black Panther made a billion dollars in America. Like that's a lot of money, and uh, it, it's sort of it's sort of interesting the way that I look at it because I you know um, people people got mad at me. It turns out I'm the kind of person who pisses off people on the internet sometimes. I don't I don't know why I'm really on the sweet. internet. Oh, I, love, I love you too, Jesse. Um, but um, but you're pissing me off right now. Yeah. But um, one of the things that like like when it came out, uh, um, people were arguing, well, this is going to win the best picture. I'm like, no, it, it's not. And um, I, I wrote a, I wrote a film review of it, and I think I gave it three out of five stars. And they're like, why don't uh, a friend of ours, uh, Mikey, a friend of ours who we were talking to downstairs, downstairs, downstairs an art, he's an artist here. He's like, you hate all these movies. And I'm like, Mikey, I love these movies. He's like, well, why would you only give it three stars? It was great. And I'm like, because I've seen five star movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and he's like, well, and I just start. I mean, like, you have to understand. I watch lots of movies, and three stars is me. Like, if I didn't like it, I would have given it two stars. So three stars is more than two and a half. It means I like the film. Yeah, five stars is a very limited right. <laughs> like, like I, I don't every movie. Ever. I don't do that a lot. But I, so I was like, well, okay, I, I understand why you like. I'm trying to think of something. Um, uh, like Logan, which I actually thought was better than Black Panther. I gave that four stars. It's a better movie. Black Panther is a more important movie. But Logan, I thought, was a very, very good movie. And I like looking at those two because Black Panther... I mean, it's a mediocre, slightly better than mediocre superhero movie, um, but it's an important movie because, because what it's about is cultural representation um, in a meta sense. What it's about in the narrative sense is you're talking to areas of disapparate. You're, you're talking to area, area, um, um, messages of, you know, African, not African-American, but African culture and how we look down upon it. And the entire premise of Wakanda is, well, you know, if everybody just thinks that we're spear-checking natives, then no one's going to invade us. We're just going to pretend to be impoverished. And that's an important thing to happen that, you know, I could do in a moonlight, but then nobody would see it. And, 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 when, and when that came out, uh, I, mean, I remember getting into an argument with somebody. They were like, well, you know, representation is important because then, you know, you know why, why don't we have more gay superheroes and more black superheroes? And I was like, well, you know, they don't make movies like that. And I was like, one just one best picture. Moonlight just one best picture. No one went to go see it. It's really good. Go see Moonlight. But um, but like Moonlight made I think its original pre-Oscar theatrical run was something like $40 million and then it doubled after the Oscars. Black Panther made that much money since we started talking. Right, right. Avengers is like that's a, so you can't like you can't compare that. So those movies are important, and I think even if you look at something like Logan, which obviously doesn't have the um, the racial representation ramifications, but Logan's a movie about mortality and getting old and dealing with very serious issues. What is fatherhood? What is family? It's a really good, really deep movie that I think that with shows like ours. Which shows like the sectarian review with what we do for a living hopefully we can get people to look at things and ask questions that aren't just i don't know i like when wolverine goes snickety snickety stick and carves people up like like i think there are deeper issues to think about in in a black panther or in a logan or in a spider-man comic book than there are uh, or as deep issues as there is reading for whom the bell tolls or you know or i mean even to pick like somebody like august wilson 
the defenses. Great play, but it doesn't have it, it. People aren't going to see fences as much as Black Panther. There was a movie of fences last year. It, was really it good. did not do as yeah, did not do as well as Black Panther. So I think that it's important to look at all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's it. The accessibility of pop culture for for people. There's that importance of here are ideas that you're being exposed to through comics and movies and, and whatever that. This is the only way a lot of people are going to be exposed to these ideas. Yeah. They're not going to read the high art. They're not going to read the, the novels or, or see the, those movies or whatever. And that sounds judgmental, and that's not my. That, that's just the reality of it. People aren't going to read yeah. Flannery O'Connor well, unless yeah. it's a sign. Well, I mean, when we've I, talked I about this because I just read it because I wanted to. But, but, <laughs> but, but no, we've talked about it on other shows. Like, we, you know, Wayne, you've told the story. You know, your first black friend growing up is Luke Cage. Is Luke Cage. Yeah, I, I grew up <laughs> 50 miles south here, incredibly rural, incredibly non-diverse situation, and yeah, everything I know about urban black culture in the 1970s, I learned reading Luke Cage comics. Mm. And then you had to move here and meet people like us. And, and, <laughs> and, I, and I realize now what a skewed version of that was, <laughs> but it was more than other people around right. me. Had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I, uh, to go back to teaching, I guess, uh, is a handy way to talk about this sort of thing. I think it's really impossible so in that Pittsburgh class, for example, there's a really famous um, labor immigrant labor novel called Out of This Furnace um, that's based in Pittsburgh. And talking about that inexorably raises economic questions about you know capitalism and such. And so the next movie I showed was Land of the Dead, which does the same thing, right? Yes. Um, and, and so to me, I think showing them that the questions that they're find, they find interesting in pop culture, it also exists in, in you know high art, quote unquote yes. high art, right? Yes. Um, and so the that's why that distinction doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, because they're both engaged with the world from different like perspectives, I suppose, of, of privilege or whatnot. You know, all high art is is people like us who work at universities, but who are more important or respected than any of us, or they're part of some like uh, elite scene in New York, yeah. right? right. You know? Someone someone blessed it with the art token. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah. like, I I mean. I, from a narrative point of view, I can say Moonlight is a better film than Black Panther. Like, I, like I do have reasons that I believe that. I don't know that I believe Green Book is. Roma was. Roma's amazing, but I'm never gonna watch it again. Uh, I mean, like, I, like I'm, I'm not. Green Book. Yeah, uh, and uh, and so I, I think that there's a reason to do that. But like, really, what made it high art? Like, what made Roma high art is that the Academy said, you know, Thou shalt be art. Like that's that's what happened. Good. Yeah, it, it, but, it, but, it, but it was good. But I mean, like, but it was just it was just blessed by. She's right. making a Bible reference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've read that. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, you picked up on that. Uh, no, I, I'm going to make connection. The, the the thing you just mentioned. The, the I'm already blanking. Oh, out of this furnace. Yeah. yeah. Um, a book called It Rhymes with Lust, which is posited as one of the first graphic novels, mm-hmm. set in a decaying steel town. It was Pittsburgh. <laughs> it was drawn by Matt Baker, who I just mentioned. Uh, and it, it's gorgeous, but just that, that means nothing other than, oh, look at these connections. So, we have an audience question and waits yeah. on the show every week. Oh, so. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Marcella. Hi, Marcella. Hi, I um, am co-host of Revisiting Sunday Dale Buffy podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 I, I, I fell behind it. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, so for Black Panther, nominated for 
Best Picture. So yeah. my problem with that was, how are you nominated for Best Picture when none of your actors, how can you be Best Picture and not have an acting nomination? So was it pandering to all of us who love Black Panther and what it stood for? Or was it truly a Best Picture nomination? I don't, personally, I don't think it was. I think it was 100% pandering to all of us, but... I, I agree. I think it was absolutely pandering. theater and not see someone in a dashiki for like weeks right you know like every like it was like this silent like black power thing where everyone crosses their arms you know and says wakanda forever and it's like and i still see little kids doing it right and that the movie was that what a year a year and a half two years ago almost and i think it was complete pandering I was going to just say, I think one of the questions, one of the problems is there's a, you know, best picture. We talked about it on our Oscar show. You know, everybody should go back and read our back, our back catalog, you know, www.foxpodcast.com. But, um, also www, the sectarian review podcast. Just Google it. Okay. Um, but, but one of the, one of the problems is I don't think, you know, when people hear best picture, the people who don't watch the Oscars, because I'm a weird nerd who literally has watched it every year since I was four years old. I have not missed an Oscars. I love them. But um, but most of my art, yeah, to the living room to watch them. Yeah, but but most people don't, and they're like, well, Black Panther was obviously the best picture because I enjoyed it, and it's like that's not really what it means. It's supposed to be because they're like, well, it should. It's just twenty twenty people in Hollywood deciding. I'm like, that's what best picture means. It's supposed to be a statement about what the what your peers see what, as the academy for best picture of people you know what you get you get a billion dollars that's what Black Panther was alright so hi I'm Marcel <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a local comics artist creator I'm affiliated with the Toonzema board president of Toonzema I'm in the comics community here in Pittsburgh so thank you all by the way for having us <laughs> so alright and this kind of even relates to our audience here because so, like, to step back just a little bit, we're talking about the same Black Panther, but also movies that are emblematic of that, and popular culture that's emblematic of that. Um, the size of the audience versus what it, its impact in the world, because mm -hmm. some of what I'm hearing right now about like the movie itself, the nomination, I just want to try and blow through this real fast. Um, is it really, first of all, I don't know if it's really completely fair to, to compare a movie like A Black Panther or whatever, because those are also outliers. Absolutely. You, to, you know, the majority of movies that are produced don't perform like that. So if we're comparing Black Panther to Moonlight, I don't think that's necessarily a fair comparison. It's not. And, yeah. and, and also, if we're looking at what we, the expectations of audiences are with movies like that, because, yes, a movie like Black Panther is going to have a larger audience and you could, one could make an argument, this is going to sound like a diss against pop culture. It's not. I'm actually going to pivot to the next thing I want to mention, but the audience's expectations for a movie like Black Panther are frankly, they're much lower mm -hmm. versus a movie like Moonlight. And, you know, we generally go to our, 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 our movies, our, our, our pop culture and media for a 
escapism. Mm-hmm. So yes, you there is often there can be more content, more substance to it that people will get. But you know, I think people know people know if they're going to see a superhero movie versus they're going to see I'm going to say an art movie. Or fences. Yeah, fences. That's another yeah. great example. They know this one's going to be heavier, so your audience is going to by by virtue it's going to be smaller. Um, as far as the pandering comment with the Oscars, there's there's so much more I think there to unpack. That's why I'm I can't just straight away say that was pandering. Look at the history of the Oscars and who's been nominated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so were any other were any of the actors from Black Panther nominated? No. But that's that's kind of par for the course for the Oscars. I think that says more about the Oscars mm-hmm. than it necessarily says something about well, it says something about the Academy. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's the same thing with Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. He had been nominated, nope. but not died. No, nope. yeah. he's great in it. He is yeah. great in it. Um, he is, but he would not have gotten yeah. that probably award or nomination. I would say, I will say Ledger probably actually. Just, I think that's less pandering, mm-hmm. but they only noticed because he died. Yeah, um, he like he is phenomenal in that role. He got nominated for Brokeback. He's better in he's better as the Joker than he has is as Ennis. I've watched both movies several times and I like Brokeback. It's a better performance in Dark Knight. And that's unfair. That's the Academy being unfair. My problem with the Black Panther nomination is no one seriously ever thought it had a shot. It was literally, like, it was nominated not because it's not good. It is good. It was nominated because they wanted people to watch the Oscars that year. It was a trick. And that bothered me. Not not, not on the film. It bothered me that the Academy stooped to that. If you, you know, if you want to be your hoity-toity high art society, be your hoity-toity high art society and embrace that. Don't pretend. Embrace that you won't have as many people watching. Right, because I'm, I'm there, right. and I, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to stick. Yeah. Just have math. Well, no, but it's fine. <laughs> I mean, like, like, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you want to speak to people who want to see, well, can Roma beat Fences? Right. Or can yeah. Roma beat Green Book? Because I was really that. invested That's in fine. that. But, like, don't trick people into watching. It's like, ah, I'm pulling for Black Panther. No. <laughs> like, that's, right. that's dishonest. And, and that was my problem. Moonlight needed more aliens. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the, well, where I was going to pivot that into, and actually this discussion kind of answered the question, so does pop culture matter? Well, yes, because we're having <laughs> But I, I always think there was an interview that was conducted with a, a sports celebrity years ago where he was asked the question of, if he had it all to do over again, what would he do over? And his answer was he would have watched more television when he was younger. And they asked him to explain that. And his answer was because he, I remember him specifically saying like Roots, but he said like these are shows that connected a lot of people. And he was so focused on his career and doing what he needed to do that he missed out on these cultural events that we were all plugged into. And you know, if, you, if you're old enough, but it, it's not just going it, there are always these, these cultural things that the masses are plugged into. You know, if we're talking about movies or TV, you know, there's some shock JR or, yeah. or whatever. Where's the beef? Where's, yeah, or, yeah, or Stranger <laughs> Things right now. I'm feeling really old. Yeah, if you think about it, like, I know in 1986, those of us who were around in 86 well ago, that was the year in comics. When I talk to other people who were reading comics in 1986, not just the books that were that were published in 86, but people who read them when they came out, it 
it's fascinating hearing the entry points that people had to that media because so many of us had the exact same experience with that. I was just talking with yeah. recently about our experience with Dark Knight, but then there's different entry points, and you see that somebody from a completely different walk of life was enjoying the same thing you were. I think that's one of the highest values of popular culture. It lets us see where everybody else is coming. There are connections, yeah. So we, were, we were just talking, um, again, we were, I said we were talking with a friend of ours downstairs, Mikey, and he said something, and I'm going to, I'll say what he said in a moment, but before that, I just want to think about, um, you know, again, the high art versus low art, high culture versus low culture, popular culture thing. We know people, you know, in our program, um, like I, I know people who, it's 2019 and who have never seen Star Wars. I don't understand how that happens. What planet did you grow up on? Yeah. Like, <laughs> really? That's me, absolutely. How? How? But, 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 but you're aware of it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Because I'm pretty sure, like, like as you leave this room, I'd be afraid someone's going to like just tackle you and like <laughs> shove it in your face because it's Star Wars and that's how that works. But um, but but I, but I know people who have like sort of. I mean, you might not be interested. That's one thing. But I know people who have avoided it because this is stupid. I right. no, I'm, I'm sorry. I read real books. You know, yeah. 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 the same people that like look at you like you're crazy if you've never read Beowulf or yes. Paradise Lost yes. or like Macbeth. I don't want to read Macbeth. I've seen The Lion King. before we came up here we were talking uh, with a friend of ours downstairs in Artist Alley and he was talking about Star Wars and he said uh, what did he say he said Star Wars is the greatest um, it's, it, it, it's like a, a promotional film for ISIS yeah. it's, it, it's, I, yeah. it's, it's how a desert dwelling kid yes. is, is radicalized becomes a rebel <laughs> and kills thousands well, of people no, because yeah, I, ICE comes and ICE comes up and, and kills his family and then yeah he's yeah and he becomes radicalized and, and he was just and he just uh, talked about you know the allegory for yeah, and I was like, and you know what? And, and you know, Mikey would not say he's a scholar, an academic scholar in any way, shape, or form. But he's a, he's a geek, and I was like, that is a perfect read. And he's like, and he said it's the most relevant thing in the world today. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so so I think that being able to, you, you can watch a Star Wars, you can have a class where you yeah. can watch a Star Wars, and you can say, now how can you know what can we see in the world today? Where this is important and relevant, and I think that that I think that that happens. I uh, people I mentioned before. I, I teach Tarzan. I teach. I frequently teach Tarzan. If you've never read read Tarzan, if you've only seen you know the Disney movie or the Johnny Westmiller movies, the book is very very different. <laughs> um, Tarzan's favorite hobby in the book is lynching people. He stands in trees and he drops nooses around people's uh, black natives. He drops nooses around their head and he yanks up and he does it frequently. And every time I teach it, kids are like 
is he basically lynching people? And I was like, no, he's exactly lynching people. That's every <laughs> word. Uh, it is a super racist book. It is extremely racist and problematic. It was written in 1912. It's about the superiority of white men over other cultures. That's what it's about. That's the point. Um, the love story of Jane that you know from me, it's really not about that. It's it's totally about, you know, white people being superior. And it's like, why do you teach this? And I was like, well, it, it was written by someone who by 1919, or by 2019 standards, is absolutely racist. But by 1912 standards, was just a guy. <laughs> and so, so let's talk about how, you know, like, why was this popular then? How has it become a Disney movie today? And how did we get there? And that's why I teach it, because I want to have that conversation of, yeah, sure, it was racist, but like we view it in a different way 107 years now later than we did when it came out. And I, and I think that's an interesting and important conversation to have. Yeah. Obviously, uh, when Burroughs wrote it, he wasn't writing it to say, I want people to know that lynching people is wrong. No, that, that was not his intent. No. But he's dead now. So. <laughs> I, th I think she had a question a while back. Too. Oh, a while back. I just wanted to circle around to you guys. We're talking about your friend Mikey and um, your Black Panther review being three stars instead of five and his reaction to that. And I think that kind of a missing link that we haven't really talked about is like emotional connection to stuff. Like, from an academic point of view, yeah. yeah, Black Panther was a three star movie, but for that person, like that emotional connection is what gives it that extra and, and that's the, the whole idea of it being an important movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It, it connects with people in ways that a lot of five-story movies don't. Mm -hmm. And I think with any of this stuff, there's there's that, no matter what the media is, there's my personal response to this. Does this speak to me? And it can be the dumbest thing in the world by any critical standard, but boy, if it speaks to can, me... Can, can, I, can I do it? Can I do it? Just because she's not here. Riverdale is the best show ever. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's for you, Hannah. That's a meme. <laughs> uh, if you listen to our show, one of our regular co-hosts... Um, uh, well, if she were here, she'd go, no, it's not. It's a good place, but she's not. So Riverdale is the best show ever. <laughs> I would say Buffy is the best show. <laughs> but, but that's, it, it is. It's very much that whole, you're, you're absolutely right. That emotional connection we film, we form with anything. And a lot of those emotional connections are formed when we're really very young. Those first things that I, I, I posted a blog this week talking about a new comic that I, I really enjoy and love. And I did it in the context of, boy, most of the comics that I've written about on my blog have been stuff that really spoke to me 30 years ago mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and and those are still the things that like are defining to me like if, if you ask me my favorite comics there's gonna be this list of five or six things that I will always tell you Mage. and I yeah <laughs> and I've been feeling like it's been a long time since I've had that experience with a book and I've realized in the last couple of years you know what there are a couple I'm having that experience with I didn't expect to ever have it again but I, I am mm -hmm. and I want to write about that right now it's different because I'm not 20 Right. Or know, 12. Yeah, I'm in a different place in my life. It's speaking to me on a different level. But yeah. I am really enjoying this right now in my life, comparably to the way I did that stuff then. And it feels like it's been a while since I've had that experience because I'm old and jaded and I've read way too many copies. <laughs> Sharon. Um, I think that the Black Panther nomination came out of uh, the, the Academy talked about a lot about show they realized they were out of touch. And they were going to have a popular movies category. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, they, and the reaction was, wait, why can't a popular movie be a great movie? Right. And it was such a negative backlash that they just didn't know what the heck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's part of it. I don't think it wasn't a great movie. I think 
I think an emotional connection matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yes. That's part of what makes a great movie. I thought it was a perfect um, reaction to they just don't know what to do with these movies. They never yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. And that to me is, is where the nomination came out of. And good for them. You yeah. recognize that at least. When I was yeah. a little kid, the best movie ever was down. Superman. It was amazing. Still is to this day. Yeah, to Marcel, I know so. But, but, it, but it's a whole but, other podcast. But, 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 no, but, but I mean, but to be fair, the connection with Superman happened because it came out when I was a child and it was the superhero that had a movie. The one. The one. Yeah, there was it. You know, and as a little black kid growing up in the 70s, maybe it would have been nice if there were a Black Panther movie, but there wasn't. And in 2018, there was. So, you know, that's important. You know, if if there can be, you know, 30 years from now, there can be, uh, you know, somebody inspired to do, the, you know, like the fact that I accidentally decided I wanted to devote my life to studying this stuff years later was great. But if somebody decides that because, wow, Black Panther spoke to me or wow, Wonder Woman spoke to me or, you know, wow, I don't know, what's the most recent white superhero? Um, yeah. Thank you. Shazam. Absolutely. He's downstairs. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. but for whatever reason, if those things are important. So I, I like that. I, I, I wish we'd all transformed into superheroes. <laughs> I love that you just mentioned Shazam because I gotta tell you when I saw that movie that that touched me in ways I hadn't expected <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they hear they honed in on um, like social services and the children in that movie being involved. I mean, that spoke to me directly. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I went to that just, you know, out of a sense of nostalgia and fun. And here's another superhero movie. I came away genuinely touched, like yeah. in my soul. Yeah. Um, we've all, I, I know everybody in this room has had some experience like that with some element of pop culture mm-hmm. where you just sat down to be entertained, engaged, and walked away and realized, oh my God, that thing just spoke mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, and you feel seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that people like underestimate when like they disregard the emotional connection, right? They overlook the identity work and the community work that happens around pop culture a lot of the time, and especially for marginalized folks. Like part of my dissertation was just looking at how much community and identity theorizing for queer women happened around popular culture because they didn't have embodied spaces where they could go to, mm-hmm. and they didn't have access to like this sort of theorizing being done in canon and so we would watch the L word and I'll be really confused that we weren't <laughs> rich Los Angeles lesbian <laughs> every day. Um, You're not? Like, Why am I hanging out with you? I've just been waiting to be at the cool parties and it's just like, I just go to your house and there's Even no... Buffy, yeah, right? Yeah. Buffy was like a huge moment yes. for yeah. women mm-hmm. and um, like having a sci-fi show kind of be where then you like center around with other queer women and like that's how you talk about your identity sometimes and it's that feeling of being seen when you hadn't been before like I have stories that should be told and that I can watch as well yeah how did you feel about the moment to stand in did you see it so the big moment that everyone talks about in Endgame where all of every single female the A-Force moment yes yeah I thought candor too I thought to do that work and get the, that response you obviously wanted from me, like that should have kind of been more intricate throughout movies. You don't get to just be like, well, there was no payoff. To yeah, no. there's no payoff <laughs> at so, all. We still needed the male superheroes to come and save the day. Yeah, they just lined them all up. Yeah, but 
think I can stand together. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that formation was on point. <laughs> yeah, we actually talked that, on our show where we analyzed it. We actually talked about that moment for a good ten minutes. Yeah, I think, I which is, I, I, I saw it twice. I saw it. Well, I saw, I've seen it more than that now. But I saw it the opening night and the next night. The opening night, massive thunderous applause. Uh, the next night, I'm not sure most people in the theater noticed that all the characters happened to be female. So it was two completely diverse crowds. And I, uh, I, I don't... I have many, many thoughts that I think are a different show. Well, I know it's a different show because we did that show. <laughs> yeah, we just got the, the five minutes heads up about a minute ago, so we need to wrap yeah. this up. Can I real quick follow up on Shazam? Yeah. Because that's like a perfect example, I think, of the way in which popular forms of art can speak into immediate problems uh, of yeah. the world, right? Because I think, for me, a big problem in our world today is alienation. I feel like people are lonely all across the world, right? And their families have let them down, right? And that's a movie that shows like a family being controlled Constructed, yeah. right? And it's incredibly emotional for me. I loved it. Yeah. 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 Just um, to bring it back around to like, why did you come here today? Um, that emotional connection with other people and find, finding your tribe. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Like, oh, if you like this thing and it spoke to you in the same way it spoke to me, then we're obviously in the same way. Right. And that's what conventions and, yeah. and comic shops have always been. It's been mm-hmm. a place for this community. I mean, that happens online. Mm-hmm. But I know, you know I, I work in, in comic shop, Phantom of the Attic on South Craig Street. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, part of my job there is, you know, I'm the social guy, but part of it has been creating a sense of community there and, and trying to be welcoming to everybody who walks in the door. Because long before I worked in a comic shop, those are the comic shops I went to. That's where I went to meet other people of a like mind. And I see that as, as so important finding that community and yes that's absolutely what the convention is for and what pop culture is and you know so we don't feel as alienated because I meet you randomly a year and a half ago and we have eight billion things to talk about <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and, and that's what the word means I mean it's what yeah. the, the root of the word is to come together yeah. right convene right yeah. so yeah so no alright so we've resolved so we resolved <laughs> That's the tagline of our show. Even if we resolve things, I have to say that to say going in. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do want to thank you know all of you who did show up. Yeah, yeah. I would like to thank all all the, all the people who've been on the panel as well. Because um, so for you, for you guys, we threw this one together real fast. We, we found out about what we were doing this a week ago, um, and I always love. I mean, the fact that. You know, when I when I was seven years old, liking this kind of stuff got you beat up. <laughs> you know, and and now it's my job. Yeah. <laughs> like that's amazing. So yeah. you know, I thank you for being here. Thank you for yeah. ha- being a part of the community that makes that possible. <laughs> so that like I don't have to do something useful for a living. <laughs> like, I, I I I do. You know, this is useful, and I'm glad this is useful because you know I used to have to like you know write computer software. That job sucks. STEM? No. <laughs> Read comics. <laughs> Read comics, Read watch TV. Comics. That's what so, I hope you do. So, so very quickly as we wrap this up, uh, if they actually want to listen to this episode through either of our podcasts, where can they find you, Danny? Oh, gosh. Um, so, uh, yeah, iTunes, all the places you find your podcast, you can find Sectarian Review. Um, I have a website, sectarianreviewpodcast.com. I'm on Twitter at Danny P. Anderson, I think. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. so you can find me wherever. And, and you can find us in pretty much all the same places. We will try to coordinate so we release the podcast kind of the same Same day. week or try to be right, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't scoop us, Danny. Yeah. No, no, I- <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, you can find us on www.voxpopcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher and all the other places. Spotify. I don't know. Oh, podcast podcast places. Go there. Go to podcast places. Podcast places. <laughs> and, and oh, and I always say, I always forget. You know, leave us and Danny. Leave us five star reviews. It helps other people find the show. <laughs> uh, I, I'm on Twitter at Chris Maverick. Caitlin. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um. I don't really Yeah, know. I was going to say, I'm we're just kind accessible. of around. <laughs> uh, if you need me, you can find me usually through Maz. <laughs> That's a message, yeah. But, yeah, thank, thank you guys for coming. Yeah, and, thank uh, you very much. And thank you at home for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Strikes back? Jesus, Tony, how old is this guy? I don't know. I didn't carbon date him. He's on the young side. <laughs>